My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless and determined. We fight for love, profits and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth, and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Hello everybody, this is Warrior Family and I'm Smilian Mori. I know you're all here, my friends, because you believe that we can all create and live the life we're living. But in order to do this, we have to do something about it. And my goal within this show is to bring you and introduce to my friends guests that can transfer their mindset, their strategies, their habits, their systems that will help you create and live the life worth living. And today, I have a very special guest, Ulysses Osuna. Yep. Thank welcome, you so much. Welcome to my show. Thank you. Ulysses Osuna, he is only 21 years old, PR specialist and founder of Influencer Press, a PR firm that manages publicity for influencers and a few clients worth over $100 million. You would expect that this guy would come to the interview, to the show with uh, his parents. No, <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> Instead, he came with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Maybe. young guys. Yep. So can you tell me the secret, please? How the guy at your age can be in the business and doing business with such uh, influencers all around the world. Yeah, for sure. So there is like no magic bullet, but I did find out early on that when I was doing PR, there wasn't too many people in that space that were helping out the big influencers. Mm -hmm. So when I got started in it, I saw a massive like opportunity for me to contact the biggest people that I thought, you know, uh, are the biggest people in the space and to become, and for them to become my clients. Right. I knew like if, if people aren't working with them, cause they can work with PR agencies and stuff like that, but they're not, they're not working with directly like one person or, or a face of a person that does PR mm-hmm, for them. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I saw that opportunity, um, to be that person myself. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go back to your childhood a little bit. Okay. How old you were when you first started thinking about business or entrepreneurship? Yeah. I started thinking about business and entrepreneurship when I was 17. So I was just going into like my senior year of high school and I saw an ad on YouTube and it's kind of like a Ty Lopez ad where he shows, you know, the fancy cars, the the women, the, the beautiful wife and all that type of stuff, right? But it wasn't Ty Lopez. And he essentially sold me on the dream that I could become like a multi-millionaire, right? Mm-hmm. And at 17 years old, when you see that type of stuff, I was like, I want that. And especially in a small town, I don't really get to see too much of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't see that much, I didn't see like the Lamborghini for the big houses or anything like that. 
when I saw that ad, it changed my life. Like I made a decision that day that I was like, that's it. Like I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna start working and I'm gonna work towards a bigger future and help out my family, help out myself and be that guy that was like showing me the life mm -hmm. pretty much. So I started when I was about 17 years old and it took me two years of working for free, doing all this type of stuff, making no money until I made my first pretty much $2,000 and then after that I was like, okay, now I know what to do. But before mm -hmm. that I was doing a lot of things that didn't matter mm -hmm. and I think a lot of young entrepreneurs and even older entrepreneurs do things that don't matter in business. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on this, that you were doing things that didn't matter? So I was doing things, I was doing a lot of things that didn't require me making money. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of research, I was creating websites for free, mm -hmm. I was building on my skill set, but the fact is like you can't run a business on no money. You can't run a business on zero cash flow. Mm -hmm. So a lot of entrepreneurs, um, we focus on like the logo or the branding or all that type of stuff, mm -hmm. but we don't focus on like two major things, which is attracting clients and then mm -hmm. closing them. And then mm -hmm. the third thing is like mm -hmm. client delivery, mm -hmm. right? Like what we actually do for the client. So I didn't learn that on, I didn't learn that until I hired like my first mentor. Mm -hmm. Then he really taught me like the ropes and all that type of stuff. But before that, I was just doing a lot of general stuff that I thought mattered, but really didn't. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Okay. So you said two years you were working for free. Yes. Many young people out there, they're thinking about being rich overnight. Yeah. And they want to get paid right now, fast or yesterday. Yep. And you said you, you were working for free two years. Yes. Is this the advice for young people that... You definitely need to work for free in the mm -hmm. beginning. Why? But not for two years though. Okay, that was too much probably. Yeah, that was okay. way too long. Because I got lucky because when I was working for free for two years, I was still living, living with my parents. Mm -hmm. Right? As an adult, you don't have that luxury. You don't have okay. that leisure. You can't yeah. just do that. So you do need to work for free because in the beginning, nobody's going to hire you if you have no credibility whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Right? If you have nothing under your belt, nobody's going to pay you their hard-earned money to do work for them if you've never even done anything yet. Mm -hmm. So you need to work for free, build up that skill set. But right when you build that up and you can do work that is worth being paid for, then charge immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because then you, then you put whatever price you're charging is your worth essentially for that product, for that service, mm -hmm. for that business. Mm -hmm. And people associate quality with price, right? Like Gucci, they, they associate, oh, Gucci's great quality because of the price, right? If you get something from Goodwill, like, oh, it's just the leftover or whatever. So they do, they do the same thing with, um, with clients, people they hire. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna hire two people to run Facebook ads for me, one person charges me 300 bucks, the other one charges me 3,000, I'm gonna think something's wrong with the guy that's charging me 300 bucks. I'm gonna think he's a newbie, I'm gonna think he's not good enough, he isn't skilled yet, and I'm gonna go ahead and put my $3,000 towards somebody that mm -hmm. I actually believe is gonna help me out. Mm -hmm. So what happened with your school? I was still, so high school is really pretty easy. When I got into college, that's when like I just failed every class except business. <laughs> that was the only, but I did it on purpose so I can tell that story every time I get into an interview. So I did it on purpose, but my parents hated that, that I failed every class in business in, in college. So in high school though, I was able to do a lot of work and for free in high school and still do my high school work because high school requires you to do little to like no homework, right? It's not real life. So I was still very sheltered when I was in high school because I, like, I was living with my parents, I could do my high school homework really quick and then I can stay up and then do work. So um, I had to sacrifice like soccer, I had to sacrifice like wrestling mm -hmm. and um, just sports, but I gained a lot of knowledge um, throughout that time because mm -hmm. I, I do tell my friends that are in high school, like whenever they ask for advice, that 
take the time and spend those years of your life while you're in high school learning and learning you know, online marketing and all that type of stuff that's going to help you out. Because once you get out of high school and you start your real life, you won't have that luxury of time to do that stuff. So what skills can young people learn at very young age that um, will help them? Yeah, for sure is know exactly who it is you want to be first. So I, so, and then that, once you know that, once you know, okay, I want to do this or this or that, then you can figure out what skills you need to learn. But usually at this young age, they don't know what to do. But you need to make a choice. Because mm-hmm. even if you make the wrong choice, you're learning towards something. If you, if you don't make a choice, then mm-hmm. it's like you never made the decision to like change your life anyways. Mm-hmm. So I made a choice that I was going to do when I first started that I was going to do photos, cartoon photos, which mm-hmm. is very, very, uh, it was a horrible idea. Right? Essentially, people would pay me, I'd take their photo, I'd pay somebody on Fiverr to make it a cartoon, and I'd send it back to them. Now, I'm glad I did that, though, because I learned like it would take me forever to make good profit on that if I'm charging 30 bucks for it. I pay somebody $5, and I only make $25 off of a photo that takes me like seven days to create. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like, no, I do not want to do that. I have to sell a ton of those. And plus, that business is also a, luck, a, a, a form of leisure. Like They will only buy when it's Christmas time, when they want to give presents or any of that type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I needed to find out something that was going to make me a lot of money, quicker money, more upfront money, more recurring business, and all that type of stuff that fits in with who I want to be you know, mm-hmm. at an older age. So then I ditched that business and I did something completely different. But I had to learn that the hard way because I made a decision in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So make a decision, then what skills they have to learn? You After mentioned you make, marketing. Yeah, marketing for sure. Sales. If, if I had to choose one, you have to learn sales. <laughs> because then you can go, then if you never create a business even you know, for yourself, you can go to any business and they all need sales. Mm-hmm. Right? They mm-hmm. all need that. So if you're good at that skill, you don't have to make your own business. You can go to a thriving business and just be a closer. Just having leads all day, just close them and then make mm-hmm. a commission off mm-hmm. of that. And that's what a lot of businesses are doing now. They just have commission-based salesmen. Mm-hmm. They make a six-figure living just off of closing deals. Did you inherit this entrepreneurship DNA? No. No? No, I didn't. But I did know that ever since I was young, I just wanted to be something like just somebody great. Mm-hmm. So I was very into WWE. So like John Cena and all that type of stuff. But unfortunately, my, um, I, you know, I'm five foot one. So even if I go against a big guy like the big show, I'm probably never going to win. Right? Even if it's scripted, I won't win. So like I, that, that was not a goal for me. I couldn't achieve that. Mm-hmm. So, but I just knew like whatever it is that I wanted to be, I want to be in the spotlight, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this fuels me, like the lights and, you know, mm-hmm. being interviewed and stuff like that. So I love that. And because I love that, I chose PR. Mm-hmm. So what relationship did you have with your parents or you still have? Yeah. So right now they I were have... probably very supportive. No, 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 no. <laughs> I wish they weren't supportive, but they also didn't hold me back either. Okay. So that means they didn't help me out, but they didn't not help me out. So I would get lectured all of the time from my dad. And my dad loved talking and loved lecturing me. So I would come home from school and I'd not do my schoolwork and I'd do my other stuff. And he would talk to me for two hours, mm-hmm. telling me about how I'm wasting my time and this and that. And like, if I'm going to do this, that just know that very few people make it, all this type of stuff, right? Okay. And my mom, obviously, she was like supporting my dad. So they didn't like, oh, you know, you're never going to do this again. You're not going to touch a laptop. And they didn't do that. But they also didn't like support me and like, oh, okay, I'm going to let you go ahead and you can do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so I hated, and to this day, I still hate getting lectures. From them? 
from anybody. From like, anybody. Yeah, which is why I like being my own boss, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't like uh, anybody really telling me like, oh, this is how you should live your life and blah, blah, blah. Because I want to live my life the way I want to live it because at the end of the day, I'm going to be the one that's dying. And if I don't die having lived the life that I want to live, then I'm going to be incredibly, incredibly pissed. Can you share some painful memory from your childhood that made you who you are today? Yeah, yeah, I can. So there was one time, this was a long, long time ago. So I grew up with... Um, so when I was born, I grew up with Russell Silver Syndrome. Mm-hmm. That means that, so, so like right now, like this, the left side of my body is shorter than the right side of my body. And you can tell, like if I, right now I can't because like I have a suit, but if I put my two elbows together, you'll see that this arm is bigger than this arm. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a growth deficiency. Okay. So that's, this is why I'm small, right? And then I have a beard because I, I took, you know, testosterone and, and steroids and shots until the day I was like 13. Every like, day I like took messy. shots. Like messy. Like messy, yeah. So I took shots. To, for my growth every day, you know, on, in the butt until I was 13 so I can grow. And then after that, they just said I wasn't going to grow anymore, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But so that was going on through my life. And then I was a little kid. So, you know, just growing up and stuff and you seeing like you have that deficiency or whatever. And I was also going through a tough time just with girls. So mm-hmm. that's always tough when you're a young, you know, youngster. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I came to this point where I was like, okay, I just want to write in my, I just want to be able to talk to somebody about the stuff that I'm going through because I thought I was going through, you know, a pretty hard time. So I bought a journal and this journal had 70 pages on it, right? Just like a normal spinal journal. Mm-hmm. I wrote in that page, I wrote in that spinal journal every day for 70 days until I finished up the page or finished up that mm-hmm. entire journal. And at the time I only had one friend, <laughs> like one best friend that I talked to that I just loved having and just kind of, you know, hanging out and stuff. What did you write in the journal? I wrote my daily experiences. So I wrote why I was upset with life, why I didn't, why I hated myself, that I hated the fact that like I, I had a deep voice at a young age. I hated that I had sideburns before everybody else. I hated that people would make fun of me at school because I was hairy. So even right now, like I'm getting, I don't hate it anymore because I have the money to get laser removal. So I'm getting lasers, laser removal on everything, like the, the neck, the arms, the chest, like everything. That's because of the experience that I had, you know, when I was a young kid. So I wrote in that journal and at the end of it, I was super happy. Like I finished it up, right? But all of it was filled with like depressing thoughts, mm-hmm. which isn't good for anybody. But I wanted to show my best friend at the time. So we were at a warehouse and I came to him and I was like, hey, dude, like I finished my journal. Would love for you to read it. And at this time, like, you know, I'm a young kid. So he said in, in a very innocent way, he was like, no, dude, I really don't feel like it. You know, just as a kid. But to me, that crushed me. Because if I'm going through like this phase in my life where I feel like nobody's caring for me, nobody loves me, and I'm writing all of my thoughts and, and deep fears and stuff like that into a journal, and I want to share this journal, my prized possession, to my best friend, and he doesn't want to read it, then to me, I feel like, wow, like this is the ultimate form of like, no one does care about me. Like I'm going through this alone, and I will always go through this alone. So because of that, I, when I was there with him, I ripped up the pages uh, page by page and like tear that whole thing. I was crying and sobbing. I threw that in the garbage. And then he could tell like, he's like, oh crap, like I'm super sorry. Like don't do this, all that type of stuff. But after that day, I really just kind of made a decision like, I'm just not going to talk to anybody about like, like about my problems and stuff. So I thought that you will publish the book from this journal. No, <laughs> no, that never was a huge mistake. I'm glad I, I'm, I'm super, yeah. at the time it was very traumatic, but I'm yeah. super, super glad it happened though. Mm-hmm. Because now I really don't go to anybody and like talk to them about my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I don't just, I don't open up like that. And to me, it doesn't really matter anymore. Like, you know, mm-hmm. any of that type of stuff doesn't matter. But at the time, 
It was very, very traumatic. Like I felt nobody cared for me in my life. And mm -hmm. as a kid, you have those thoughts. Absolutely. Warrior Productivity Strategies is a free ebook you can download at www.warriorfamily.com. It will help you be productive, focused, and motivated. You will achieve great success in a short amount of time. When did you realize that you are not normal? I realized it when I felt like I was the one. So I felt like I was the one when I made the decision, kind mm -hmm. of, because even in fifth grade, I got, I think it was like royalty kid of the year. Mm -hmm. So like out of the whole class, I was like, I won. I won that thing, right? And because of that, I was like, and everybody knew too, like before they even announced it, I remember my the classmates, they were like, you know, it's him, it's him, it's him. And to me, that felt super amazing because I was like, mm -hmm. wow, it probably is me. And then they, they named me and, they, and I was like, oh, it is me. And then I just got super happy. So it's just kind of like past experiences where I'm like, you know, I feel like I am the one. Even when we did like a, uh, there's like a thing called a walkathon in school, which is essentially like you go on a soccer field and you, you know, you run and whoever runs the most laps in 30 minutes wins, you know, some, some thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I like sprinted that thing, that entire thing. And I guess there's like, I don't know for sure if I, if I won or not, but when they, when they announced it, I, I had won. I had won the most votes. And then the second place was like a girl or something like that. Mm -hmm. So just, that was like another thing, just reinforcing in my head, like, I am a person of value and all that type of stuff. So that's, once I started doing my thing and I told people at school, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? They'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But after I kept doing my things, like, I gathered, I gathered up in high school the most successful kids in high school mm -hmm. from, in terms of GPA, honors, and all that type of stuff into, because I wanted to create like an Illuminati group. Because mm -hmm. um, I was like, I'm the elite, and you guys are the elite, and let's create mm -hmm. something. Fortunately, that group never, you know, went anywhere. But just, you know, those past experiences just, just reinforced in my head, like, okay, I, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Did they bully you because of your height? Yeah, I got bullied because of my height, but they I got... They bullied me all the time because of my big nose. Wow. Yeah, it's it like, not a good experience. No, it's not. Even today, it's not so funny. <laughs> 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 yeah, but we're so successful how, how, now. You so. know, there are many victims of bullying out there. What yeah, advice tons. would you give them if this happens in young age, at young age? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So if you're being bullied, I know it's tough to just like block it out. But in reality, like unless you're getting physically hurt or something like that, nothing in life really matters. Mm -hmm. Like nothing in life, if it's going to take you out of that peace that you have in your heart, then let it go. It does not matter. Like, if you, if you realize the fact that you're going to die and you're going to allow somebody else's words to dictate how you feel, don't give that power to that person. Because they can say some pretty harmful stuff, but really, it can, only sink, it can only sink that ship if you let it inside, right? If you let that water inside. So, I know, and I know that's like a tough for people to hear mm -hmm. um, because, you know, they, they want to feel like, oh, like hurt and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But to me, the best, the best way of like uh, coping with that stuff or anything bad that happens in business is, is legit thinking like, it's probably not going to matter in two days from now, in a week from now, in like a year from now. So it really doesn't matter too much because mm -hmm. things happen all the time. And once you kind of have that awareness that it's natural, then it's not so bad anymore. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to young people that they are dreaming about starting a business and they are afraid to fail? That's a good one. So I, I would say this, like you should go for it anyways, regardless, mm -hmm. because even if you fail, like e even if you never make it to your end goal, to your dream, it's, it's way better 
chasing after that lifestyle than doing something you completely hate, going after something you don't love, and just kind of living a life that you didn't, you never wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Like chasing after or going after what you want in life mm-hmm. is very, very fulfilling, regardless if you make it or not, because there's no better way to live. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the first step for somebody so young to start a business? Because they all have this fiction in their mind that they don't have money. You have to have money to start a business. Yeah, you don't need to have money to start a business, but what you do need is to be resourceful. So find a way to make money or find a way to get investor money or any of that type of stuff. When we didn't have any money uh, and we wanted to grow, I would tell my COO, Josue, like, hey, we need like $5,000 or $10,000. And he would just say, okay, it's done. Like, consider it done. I will go and do it. He didn't ask any questions or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't say like, oh, I don't have the money, dude. I can't give that to you. He would go out and find ways to make that money. Mm-hmm. However it was, how he would make it, like he would go out and do that, right? So you don't need money, but what you do need is like, probably one of the easiest ways to, to start making money at first is a service-based business. Okay. That means you pay me for a job to do, and I will do that job for you. I'm not going to sell you this cup. I'm not going to sell you this desk. I'm going to sell you something that I can do for you. Mm-hmm. So that's probably one of the quickest ways to gain capital first before you start anything else. What are some of the businesses that young people could start? Right now, what's very popular is like social media businesses, okay. e-commerce businesses. Mm-hmm. That requires very little startup money. But look, oh, social media, you, you mentioned. Yeah. You know, young people, they, they are natural at this. Right. But I don't think that they thinking about charging for what they are doing every day. Yeah, you're right. And that's probably, that's, that's also goes back to like, you know, when I did work for two years, I didn't think about charging anybody. I was like, you know what? I'm nobody to charge. Yeah. Because but, this is natural what you do. Right. Yeah, yeah. We do it every day, right? Social media is something we get on every day. We yeah. see that stuff. So because of that, there's no reason for us to charge, but like that in itself is a business. Mm-hmm. Like people on social media, people on Facebook, we make a lot of our money on Facebook. Now we're making a lot of our money on Instagram. Like that in itself is a business. So just kind of like, just being aware, like, okay, what type of businesses are there? Because you don't need to go to college anymore. You don't need to start a traditional business. You don't need to work for a corporate, for corporate America. Like, if you just do your research on, like, okay, what businesses can I do in online marketing? That means, can I stay home? Can I stay with my mm-hmm. mom? Mm-hmm. And all that type of stuff. And that I can work for somebody else without ever having to meet them in person, shake their hand, and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Then those are the types of businesses that you should start. So the idea, go to school, and my father taught me. Yeah. Go to school do well, find a job, and work until you die. Yeah. <laughs> so for young people, this is not the, the good advice anymore. Not anymore, no. Huh? No, because uh, the only people that I feel should go to school if they need to, um, or obviously they have to, are people like either lawyers or surgeons or doctors mm-hmm. or nurses, because you can't just walk out into the street, cut somebody open and say, I'm certified, right? But with entrepreneurship, you need results. Mm-hmm. People will hire you with results. They're not going to hire you because of some like fancy, you know, paper that says you graduated from mm-hmm. some place, mm-hmm. right? And, and they will, but you don't need that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a requirement anymore. So if it's not a requirement, why go into debt for something that you don't need? Mm-hmm. So let's go back a little bit to your father and mother. Okay. One day you will be father. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully not soon. <laughs> why not? Oh man, I feel like I wouldn't be ready. Mm-hmm. What has to happen to be ready? Just a mindset shift. 
because right now I feel like I'm on the go and mm-hmm. I want to build something, create something. But if I feel like if I had a kid now, I wouldn't want to be on the go. I wouldn't want to hustle as hard. Mm-hmm. For some people, it might be different. For, but for me, I'd want to settle down. Mm-hmm. I'd want to make sure that my business is in place so I can be there with my wife and my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, That's also a warrior family show about to, to have it all. Yeah. So many people, they think that they cannot have it all. They can have a business. They cannot have a life. If right. they have a life, they don't have money. So it's yes or no. Yeah, and I disagree with that entirely, you know? Yeah. Like, you can have you can have it all. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you something different. One day you will be a father, you will become a father. How differently you will raise your kids because of your experience of being a child? <laughs> yeah, so that's a good question. I think the fact that I'm being, uh, that I'm... Like, I'm super grateful that I get a lead, you know, a team, a big team like this, because it gets to show me, like, I'm not a dad, but sometimes I am, right? Like, sometimes they will fight. Now you have to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they will fight. I have to be the mature one. I have to make sure that mm-hmm. I cultivate, like, a loving team. And if and so just naturally by the business that I'm doing and because I'm running a business and managing people, I feel like I will be a good dad because of that, because I'm able to, you know, to do it for teenagers. Teen- teenagers suck. Right? Like, that's probably like in the worst stage of their life right now. So, you know, just things like <laughs> but that. But you're still a teenager. Right. But I get to grow up a lot quicker because I have to manage other teenagers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if I'm able to do that, I feel like I'll be able to raise my kid a lot better. But if I didn't have this experience, I feel like it'd be a lot harder. Mm-hmm. So what is one thing that you learned from your father, which is, let's say, very positive and that you will nourish and you will transfer to your kids? Hard work. So he, yeah, he, he works like two, three jobs and then he does like another job on the side, which is like mechanic work. So every day, every day he, usually when I was at the house, he would work. And then when I'd get back home from school, he would ask me mm-hmm. to help him out and to help him fix a car. So one thing that I will instill in my kids mm-hmm. is hard work, mm-hmm. right? Like that's just a given, but to a degree. Because I also don't believe in hard work just to do hard work. Because mm-hmm. uh, I would do a lot of busy work that didn't matter, that I felt like didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to work hard now so I don't have to work hard later. Right? What value did you get from your mother? Care and love. And because mm-hmm. my mom has like this unconditional love. Like regardless of what happens, like she will let me know how she feels and mm-hmm. she'll care for me. She'll, you know, she just, in a way she'll like baby me. She doesn't baby me anymore, mm-hmm. but she used to like baby me. And because of that, like some people think it's bad. I, I don't think it's bad to love your kid at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to be spanked and hit for me to know what's, you know, what's right and wrong. That's just my personal belief. But, mm-hmm. And I didn't get spanked or hit. Like, I got spanked, like, you know, a couple times from my dad. But from my mom, I never got hit. Because mm-hmm. she showed me a different way when she was mm-hmm. teaching me how to be a person, how to be a good mm-hmm. person and stuff like that. So super grateful for my mom for mm-hmm. teaching me in ways that didn't have to be verbally, verbally abusive mm-hmm. or physically abusive. What is one thing that you didn't get from your father? One thing that I didn't get... Ooh, that's a tough question. Or maybe he didn't tell you. Or he did, but it was not something that you should hear. I know it's a tough question. (laughs) Yes. I'm thinking... This is going to be deep now. (laughs) I'm thinking that... He's uh, going to watch the show. I know, yeah. So you know, I be just careful. Said, Don't lecture me. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I, think, I think what he taught me is uh, through his actions, one thing not to do is, is just have 
you know, when you're young, don't have, you know, sex with like multiple women where you're not protected and stuff like that. But because of that, he has me and stepsons. And it's, it's kind of sad because my stepbrothers are not as close to my dad, even though my dad worked for, you know, 24, 25 years to make sure that we're a good, loving family. But, you know, if not everybody's uh, in it to win it, then it's just not going to happen. So just not to make that mistake early on, because then you'll be paying for it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So and I and I found that out through my dad because, you know, he spent a twenty plus years of his life trying to trying to mend a family together that that didn't want to be mended. Mm-hmm. So he has to deal with the consequences of feeling at times like his sons don't love him. You mentioned that you are managing teenagers; it's not easy. Yeah, there are many companies out there they want to hire millennials, teenagers, whatever. Millennials, what is then? even younger. Okay, so what advice would you give to somebody that owns a company? He knows he has to hire millennials because they are younger and yeah. they can handle the technology and uh, social media, but they are not easy to manage. So here's the thing with that, and that's a good question. They're not easy to manage, but what, what they are is lazy. And because of that, they'll find... They're lazy? I th- yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm lazy. What is lazy for you? Lazy is like, so my, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. I don't want to do what my dad does every day. I don't want to have to work two, three jobs, labor intensive jobs mm-hmm. that are physically demanding, mm-hmm. come back home to do work another job, yep. a side gig to make money. So what I mean by lazy is like, yes, they will hustle, but they will mm-hmm. find out ways to make their life easier because they are lazy, because mm-hmm. they don't want to do that. Like, for example, you know how you said, like, your dad taught you, like, work at this job for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Your millennials probably wouldn't do that. Okay. Like, they'll find other things to do because they're lazy, they're creative, they, they find how to do complicated things simply. Mm-hmm. And that's a very powerful asset. Mm-hmm. So if you're a business owner and you want to hire millennials, mm-hmm. hire them for that skill. Which skill? For the skill Creativity. of, like... Making things complicated okay. and simple. Simple. What, what else is different with millennials in the business? Can you say it again? What, what else is different in their behavior? I think it's just a culture. Like, they, they no longer just want to you know, be sitting in an office, okay. which is the reason why you know, eight people came to this interview. They wanted to come to L.A. They wanted to you know, do all mm-hmm. the stuff that I, that I want to do. Right? They don't want to just be home. Because if they were home, they'd probably be like, wow, like he's out there being interviewed. We could have been with him. We could have done stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. So they want to feel included. They want to feel loved. They want to feel like they're being a part of a team. They need that culture. And they can't just, mm-hmm. it's not just like a boss and employee mentality anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like these guys right here are my friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to work with them different. You have to work with them differently. Wow. You mentioned mentors. Yes. Who was your first mentor? Except your My dad. first and favorite mentor is Sterling Griffin. He taught me so much. So I used to be a slave to my work. That means I would do this stuff all the time. I would do it myself. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to powerfully coach anybody. I would get mad. He taught me a lot of things. And one of the, mm-hmm. the things that I'm most grateful for is question-based selling. Mm-hmm. So he taught me that. So whenever we try to close somebody and they ask and they, like, they state something, I never try to answer their question. What I try to do is I try to direct them into what I want them to say mm-hmm. by asking my questions. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful way to guide any conversation. 
So I asked them, okay, what, do you, what is it that you think? So if we did it this way, what would, what would happen? What would occur? And then if they answer their own questions and they're following my trail, then like I get them to whatever end goal that it is that I want, that I want to get them to, right? But if I'm just answering, then, then what, what I'm doing is I'm following their trail, right? So he taught me that. He also taught me delegation, right? It's not, it's not cool enough to be an entrepreneur. You need to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. You need to manage people. You need to outsource. You need to delegate. You need to work in your zone of genius. So he helped me out a lot. Any other books that you read right now? Right now, I, I have Man Up by Bedros. Okay. So I, I interviewed him yeah, two days ago. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. But that's my next book that I'm about mm-hmm. to read. And the reason I'm going to read that book is because Bedros is a warrior. Mm-hmm. Right? He's, he's part of that warrior family. Like, mm-hmm. he is a, he's a monster. So... That's why. And he, he has great leadership qualities. What is the first book that you would recommend to young people? How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. Mm. That, book is, that book has changed my life. And I think that book will help a lot of people out with bullying. Bullying as yeah. well. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Living. Yeah. When I read his book, I thought that this guy is still alive. How to Win Friends. How old is that? Or how to... Win friends and something. Influence people. Influence people, yeah. So I thought this guy wrote a book a few days ago. No, <laughs> no. He was dead at that yeah. time already. So he was so, so advanced at that time. Super, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's talk about influencer marketing. Okay. What are you going to do for somebody that is watching the show and he's going to hire you? Yeah. So, and why they should hire you? Right. So, and your team, of course. <laughs> Yeah, you should hire us because, because what we do now is we've stepped away from just doing PR itself. Mm-hmm. So what we used to do, which worked out really well, which is why we have such a great business, is people would hire us for placements, like on Forbes, on Inc., on Entrepreneur Magazine, on big publications like that. Mm-hmm. People would hire us for ego, right? Um, cause they wanted their name in the spotlight the same way I want my, mm-hmm. you know, my face in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But what we, what we transition to now, it's like, okay, what happens when you get that press? And it's nothing, right? You get nothing out of that press unless you leverage it correctly to grow your business. Mm-hmm. So now what we do is like, okay, if you have a Forbes vertical, how do you use that to get more speaking engagements, to get a podcast interview like this, to grow your business, to do a collaboration, mm-hmm. to do a JV, right? Which is actually going to give you more direct ROI because you will not get direct ROI just from getting published. Absolutely. So we transition more to like the leveraged part of the press instead of just, we're not just a press agency anymore. Mm-hmm. You can hire anybody else to do that. Mm-hmm. But what we do now is we help you utilize that press after we get it for you mm-hmm. into something that's more meaningful and impactful. Mm-hmm. So what is the first step for somebody to develop the influencer status? It's thought leadership. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if you're in the spotlight, if you suck at what you do. Mm-hmm. Right, like there's this uh, terminology saying that you can't polish turd, so that means like if you suck, not you, not me, not anybody else can change that. Right, mm-hmm. we can't make that any different. But if you're good at what you do, and once you have that skill, then everything else is easier because when I you know work with somebody else and I give them the results, that's the quick, quickest way to grow a business mm-hmm. is give them the results because mm-hmm. then word of mouth. Right, they'll talk about you. You can talk to anybody else about the results, mm-hmm. and then that's it. You don't, no longer have to sell to somebody if you have the proof. If the, mm-hmm. if the proof is in the pudding. And why is it so important to have this influencer status for for today 
entrepreneur. Yeah, in today's day and age, it's actually very important because that's what the younger kids look towards, mm-hmm. right? When they're on Instagram, when they're on Facebook, they look for people, they look for people they align with. So if you just have a company, like nobody's going to write about a company, but there's no, there's no human element there, mm-hmm. right? But if you're a person, then somebody that's looking on your Instagram and they see you, they're like, wow, I really like who this guy's about. I really like what he does. Mm-hmm. This guy's a badass. Whatever it is that they're thinking about you, they align themselves with a little bit of you know, whoever they are with you. And because of that, they establish that bond. Mm-hmm. But they, they, it's hard to establish a bond with like a company that just does work. So what you are saying is that even traditional businesses, owners of traditional businesses, they should have their personal brand. Yeah. Yeah, you can have both. You should have both. And if you're starting a business, if you're legit starting a new business, one of the ways to grow your business quickly or quicker is to have a personal brand. Mm -hmm. Because once people know you, it's a lot easier to sell to somebody. Mm -hmm. But if people don't know you, then you have to sell them other ways. Mm -hmm. Because I I talked about this in a speech like two, three days ago. And it's this. It's um, Because a lot of people say vanity metrics are not real metrics. Mm -hmm. right? They say like the likes, the followers, all that stuff. It doesn't matter. But it actually does matter. Because what that does is that is a real metric because that will get somebody to actually hop on the phone call to even give you a call to think about working with you. Mm-hmm. But if you can't get them to that point, then how are you going to close somebody that doesn't even get to the point mm-hmm. of thinking mm-hmm. about hiring you? Mm-hmm. For you, Facebook or Instagram right now? For me, it's more Instagram right now. Instagram. Like I used, to, I used to love Facebook, but just the algorithm's not the same. My engagement's also not the same. Mm-hmm. So... I'm posting a lot more on Instagram and I'm mm-hmm. developing more of my just personal brand on Instagram now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, doing, we're doing better with that. How do you get clients? Yeah, so we have, we have a couple of ways. The main way, that, the main way right now is through our salespeople. Mm-hmm. So I don't focus on like generating business anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so our salespeople are focused on that. So they, they go on Facebook, they go on Instagram, they do email or whatever. And then we also, I also let them know like, okay, let me know what it is that you need. Like if you need a VA to contact a certain amount of people in a specific time frame or whatever it is so you can be more effective, then I'll fund that so I can give that to you so you can close. Another way is like we went to Ryan Stuman's event, which I was speaking at, and then boom. Well, all they did was throughout the entire event, they just t- spoke to people. Here's my card, like let me you know, give you information and stuff like that. And because it's commission-based selling, they need to sell. They want to sell. And then me and, me and Josue right now, which is the COO, we're working on the funnel. So mm-hmm. we have a bot funnel, but we're working on a different type of funnel. So that way we can split, pe- split, yeah, split test both mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and gain clients that way. So that way all they have to do is just hop on a phone call all the time and just close them that way instead mm-hmm. of actually doing it the manual way. So right now they are direct messaging. Direct messaging. And we also get organic people anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we've been doing this for a long time where the majority of my business came through organic. Mm-hmm. So just people knowing us, people, you know, hey, you know, uh, have you worked with Ulysses and stuff like that. So you just came from the stage where you were speaking. Yeah. What, what did you speak about? Um, I spoke about like manufacturing your influence. And mm-hmm. that means like about a year and a half ago, we helped a fraud get on every single publication imagine, like imaginable. And we essentially made this fake story, this persona of this 21-year-old kid that sold a business for $100 million. He didn't do that. But we made it seem like he did. And so that's what I spoke about. That like, you know, mm-hmm. with the power of like publications and all this type of stuff, if you can do it correctly, you can almost change who you are in the face of everybody in the span of like three months. So like 90 days. So yeah. 
What was the, the biggest mistake in, in the business when you started out that somebody want to repeat? <laughs> yeah, the biggest, the biggest mistake was, um, I think, when I first started out, so in PR you can't do, there's like three things you can't do. Pay a contributor, um, you cannot barter with a contributor, that means you can't do trades, and then you can't give them gifts. So we did all of those in the beginning. So because mm -hmm. of that, I got blacklisted from every major site that I was writing for. And I even had a CNBC journalist message me wanting to interview me, but all she wanted to do was get coverage so she can be the first to write about my failure. And then I even had the, I even had the FTC, I had people notify me that the FTC was looking after me as well. Mm -hmm. So like, that's very scary. Like as an 18 year old kid, I'm like, oh my God, like all I want to do is run a, a business, right? And then, but they cut me some slack. Like I had to fix that entire thing and, they basically gave me like a slap on the wrist and not to do it again. And then because of that, we, we didn't do it again. What lesson did you get from this event? The lesson that I got was don't, even though, like, even though if you commit a crime and you didn't know you committed a crime, it does not make it okay. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I didn't know I committed that, like, I didn't know that that wasn't, you're not supposed to do that. But because I did it, it doesn't, it doesn't alleviate me from the consequences anyways. Mm -hmm. So I needed a man up. <laughs> like Bedro said. Yep. What does it mean for you to man up? For me, it means, it's a, it's a lot easier now, but before that, I used to hate manning up. I used to hate it. Like, I used to hate confronting clients. I used to hate confronting my team. I used to hate getting up in the morning to doing the things that I needed to do. But the reality is, is like, once you start doing it, it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. Legit, the hardest part about doing any of that stuff is what happens in your mind before you even do it, which is the thoughts of, like, actually doing it. Because mm -hmm. once you start doing it, it's not, it's really not that hard. Like again, nothing in life is ever is really complicated. So, when do we wake up? When do we wake up in the morning? I wake up. Um, it varies. Now we have a schedule, so like millennials, from, they like to sleep. Yeah, I love Am to I sleep. Am I right? I'm exhausted. Huh? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like to wake up around eight eight a.m. So for everybody watching the show that want to hire millennials, they won't be in the office before. I won't be in the office until like 3 p.m. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no. Yeah, maybe this is true. Is nah. it? Okay. So you like to sleep? I like to sleep, for sure. But when do you go to bed? I go to bed around 11 p.m., 12 p.m. So I try not to like go out or do mm -hmm. any of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not even a fan of that type of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd rather much stay in and stay home. But I, I wake up at 8 a.m. because that's my schedule. Like from Monday to Thursday, I have to wake up at 8 a.m and then work until 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. So, but from Thursday, to, from Thursday night on to Sunday, I wake up whenever, whenever I just wake up, which mm -hmm. is like 10.30. What about parties? Um, I don't go to parties really, no? no. My team loves to go to parties though. Yeah? Yeah, like especially yeah. those two right there. Doesn't like. <laughs> so the party is uh, something that young people like to do. Yeah, they love doing that. Yeah, and for me as a business owner, how can I address that? If they like to party next morning, they come back with this foggy head. <laughs> yeah. I would let them know, like, if you're going to party, just know that tomorrow we have a hard mm -hmm. day's at work or whatever. And this is what I'm going to need done. And mm -hmm. if you can't get it done, then it's obviously because you partied. Mm -hmm. Right. And if that's going to be uh, something that's going to, you know, be just kind of like a barrier in the work, mm -hmm. then you mm -hmm. need to stop doing that. But if they can party as long as they do the work. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just have to, like, address it with them. So, yeah, because as long as they know the expectation, 
then they know if they either did wrong or did right or if they hit the expectation or if they didn't. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, if I'm not communicating that clearly, then it's like, then I can't really hold them accountable to something I didn't say. Mm -hmm. So when you take clients on, how do you, how do you check them? How do I check the, yeah, their my team? reputation, the uh, client's reputation, the credibility? Yeah, usually the sales team. Um, does mm -hmm. that because I don't even I usually don't even talk to the client until mm -hmm. until they're actually a client. Mm -hmm. So usually they'll do that because I remember when we closed Ed Milet. Ed Milet's really really big, right? But I didn't even know who he was. I didn't know who he was when we closed him. Our sales guy just told me he's like, "Yeah, dude, I think this guy's really big," and I'm like, "Yeah, but everybody says they're big, right?" So I didn't really think too much of it. But they kind of like scout for that, and they and they see like, "Oh, if he's big, then would love to have you on as a client because it's a lot easier for us." Mm -hmm. If we work with bigger clients, then we can get them a lot more results. So how did you close Ed Milet? I didn't do it. My sales guy. No, it's a past sales guy, so none, mm -hmm. none of these guys did it. But uh, Sergio, the one that's right there, closed Bedros. So I didn't talk to Bedros uh, mm -hmm. either. Sergio did that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they usually handle that portion. In 2017, I gained around 3.2 million followers on social media. I earned more money than ever and got so many new opportunities. If you want to know how you can do that, download my free manual, Social Media Warrior, at www.warriorfamily.com. So what, what is the magic that you teach them? I give them a lot of resources. So mm -hmm. the guy that actually closed Ed Milet, I realized like he needed a lot of stuff that I didn't give him at first. But because I went through that year-long process of the things that he needed, I created a bunch of resources. So training resources, things that you need to say, handling objections. So by the time he left the company, I had a bunch of things that I could just easily give to somebody else where they were way more prepared. Mm -hmm. And I actually invested my time into helping answering those questions because I remember before, I'm like, no, here you go, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like Nathan, when I first wanted to get on podcast, which he's a badass podcast guy, and you know him, but... I told him, I was like, hey, I want, to, I want to get on podcast. He was like, okay, well, how do you do that? And I just like stayed quiet. And then he's like, okay, I'll figure it out. I was like, okay, cool. So like mm -hmm. he figured it out. And because of that, he's great at it, right? But um, that's, always, that's not always the best answer or not always the best route to go. So like with them, I gave them my time. I was like, okay, here's how you do it. And then um, now we're doing a lot more role play because they, they like that role play, which is great. So just stuff like that. I gave them a lot more resources. Mm -hmm. How much time do you, do you devote to train your guys probably not enough because mm -hmm. I'm a guy that likes to just do my work mm -hmm. I like being alone a lot actually so so I, didn't, I don't really devote my time as much to helping them out but now we're doing it a lot we're doing it a lot more like we have actual schedules of like okay from 2 to 3 p.m. we're gonna devote time to bonding at the house from like a different time we're actually gonna start doing role plays but everybody needs to be there to actually do the role plays mm -hmm. and then now we're doing Monday meetings so everybody knows like okay what's the vision for the business and all mm -hmm. that type of stuff because what are your unique skills that you bring to, to your business my unique skills I think the biggest one probably is awareness mm -hmm. so just massive awareness I feel like if if I understand the rules of life or the game to life then I can help everybody else here but that's, that's what I feel like I have figured out. Mm -hmm. What did you do for Ed Milet? We got him on Forbes. We got him on Inc. We got him on Entrepreneur. We got him on Addicted to Success. We got him on Influensive. Mm -hmm. We got him verified on Facebook. We got him on a couple podcasts. So. Nice job. Thank you. 
What are some of the plans that you have for the future? Plans for the future are for sure I want to have an office here in LA. LA, there's so much more opportunity. Every time I come here, I'm always booked, like just with podcasts, interviews, speaking, speaking gigs, mm-hmm. meeting people and stuff. So I know if I brought my entire team out here, they can do a lot of that stuff and we can make a lot more moves because every time we're here, we make, we make power moves. But I also like being and love being where I live because there's nothing there. So it's just me, the house, and just the team and stuff like that. So I don't have to go meet anybody. I don't have to do all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, it's the best of both worlds. But for sure in the future, I want to have a, an office here. Whether I'm here or not, it doesn't matter. And have my team here. And then maybe one in New York, maybe one in like Florida, Miami. So kind of like just expanding that way. Where do you see your business in tomorrow? <laughs> maybe tomorrow is five years? Yeah, I see, I see for sure. My end goal is to, is to eliminate myself from the, from the equation. Mm-hmm. If I can hire a better CEO or whoever it is that's going to grow my company, I'm all for it. As long as I'm in Thailand, in a big mansion, doing nothing at all but doing whatever, I, whatever it is that I want, I would love that. Mm-hmm. So my end goal is to, in five, ten years, remove myself out of it, still be making money, and get to live my life, whether that's with mm-hmm. my wife or kids or traveling or whatever it is. So traveling, what is the dream travel destination for you is thailand thailand why you've been there yeah yeah i've been there love it it's just super cheap and the culture is different Mm -hmm. so the culture here and i feel like everywhere else or in majority of places they kind of feel a little entitled right like oh i don't want to help you out or whatever it is like hey can you grab my backpack for like 50 bucks no like not even for 50 bucks will like somebody like help me grab my backpack or something Mm -hmm. right over there though they're a lot more just respectful in general culture is like yeah, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna work hard or any of that type of stuff. So because of that, and I'm more than happy to like give. So if I'm in Thailand and I get, you know, back massages and I get foot massages and I get to eat really nice and I get to go to the gym and just work on my overall health and health, you know, mentally, uh, to me that's like the perfect life. Reading books and just kind of relaxing and, ch- and chilling, which I'm telling you, I'm lazy. <laughs> Some of the habits that you developed since you started a business habits that i've developed uh, like productivity habits yeah it's gotten to a point where it's no longer like it's just it's just supernatural where i just have the mentality of just working all the time mm-hmm. like i just need to work 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 and that's it like you can you can ask the guys they'll be like hey let's go out to drink hey let's go out to do this hey, let's go out to do that and if i'm not if i'm not like laying in bed or doing something else like i'll be working mm-hmm. like that's what i like doing that is my therapy it's just working. So uh, a habit. Work is your therapy. That's gr- great quote. Yeah. <laughs> work is your therapy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Like when I'm going through something stressful, I, I'll work it out. I'll mm-hmm. like do something and create some moves or whatever it is. And I'll feel very happy because I kind of get my sense of value from my work. Right. Which is why I have a lot of confidence because mm-hmm. the business that I built, the people that I'm working with, and that's where I get a lot of my confidence from. Mm-hmm. How a kid that is 18 years old can become more confident? Probably not doing what I'm doing, which is associating myself with my business. Because mm-hmm. then, like, if your business goes to shit, like, then you'll kind of feel like that too, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're an 18-year-old and, and just be confident in, the, in, like, who you are. Like, even if you don't have a certain skill in, in a certain area, that, but you want to develop it, mm-hmm. just, like, humble, humble yourself down and learn the skill and then go after it. Like, confidence, Ed Milet says this all the time, and I love it. Confident people are self-trusting people. 
Mm-hmm. That means like they keep the promises that they 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 keep the promises that they make to themselves. Mm-hmm. So if I say tomorrow in the morning I'm gonna put glass in this water at 3 p.m. and I'm gonna drink it. If I do that for the next three days, then I'm gonna be confident because I'm confident in myself. I'm self-trusting. Mm-hmm. But the moment you lose confidence is when you don't keep the promises that you make to yourself. If I say I'm gonna hit up 50 leads by the end of today and I don't and I hit up 20, then obviously you're not gonna feel confident mm-hmm. because you don't even keep the promises you know to yourself. So how can you make them to somebody else? Mm-hmm. So you like Ed Milet advice? Yeah, I, I love Ed Milet. When I found out about him, I was like, man, like this guy's content is solid. He came from nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he came from nowhere like 18 months ago. And then now he's like one of the top 10 social media people just in general. Like he's a huge entrepreneur. Do you have a girlfriend? No. Not yet or not now? Not yet. What are you waiting for? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> no, I, I get these questions all the time from yeah. young people. I have many followers on Instagram from 16, 17, 18, 19, and they're asking me the same question. How can I approach a girlfriend? <laughs> you do ask really good questions. Like, Thank I'm, you very this, much. This is, probably, this, is probably, yeah, this is probably the hardest interview, honestly, that I've done. So that's good. That's really good. I don't have one yet just because I haven't asked. But I also feel like I'm in a good position now where like my needs are, are met. So because of that, if I wanted to approach somebody, then it'd be, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. I didn't have one before because I was definitely not ready for it. Mm-hmm. I was not ready to be loved. I, was, I didn't want to be loved. Um, and I didn't want to love somebody else. I was too devoted in my business. Mm-hmm. So when I, like a man will not go for somebody else if they don't feel like, mm-hmm. um, like they're ready to give to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like they will not give to their partner if they don't feel fulfilled in their business life or in their personal life. So right now I'm in a good place where I can not be in my business for four or five days and still work on it and still be able to give to somebody else mm-hmm. if I need to. Um, I yeah. like it what you said. I was not ready to give love. I was not ready to 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 receive yeah. love. So just I have la- last question. Okay. I don't want to ask you too many <laughs> too many hard questions. <laughs> hard questions, but maybe this one is even harder. Okay. Uh, it's different that then I ask other other guys that are on my show and they are married and they have kids. Yeah. I call this question the last question or the last message or the power message. Okay. It goes like that. Just pretend that in five seconds you're going to die. Yeah. And then I ask them, and you have kids. What mm. would be the power message, that, the last message, power message you would send them? Something that they would remember till the rest of their lives. Like just pretend you are a father. Yeah. You have kids. I would... Uh... Or let, let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. Just pretend for five seconds that your father passed away. Mm-hmm. What message would you like to hear from him that would stick with you and give you the power that you need? If he told me, allow yourself to be loved, that would be powerful. Mm. Thank you very much. Guys, allow yourself to be loved and see you on my next show. Thank you. No problem, dude. Thank I'm you so much. I'm happy you came. And I hope that we are going to work together in the future. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires 
with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing and sales strategies, confidence boosters and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram, Smillion Mori, YouTube and Facebook, Smillion Mori, Warrior Family, Twitter, Smillion Mori, and LinkedIn, Smillion Mori.